Mario, we got Chris here on the line. What do you want to ask him? What would you do to challenge your assumptions and beliefs? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people struggle, but also it's not necessary part of real estate, but it's more like how you can become a better on that. What is that you do to take away that assuming part? Partnership is key to real estate. Have someone you want to be like and look how they've done it and kind of try to follow in their footsteps. Which attorneys did they use? Which property managers Mm -hmm. did they use? Contractors? You know, you can go miles ahead by using the same systems that someone else has done before you. Um, The big part of getting rid of the assumption part of it is, yes, in the beginning, you're going to make a couple guesses. You can limit those guesses by surrounding yourself with the partners and the great team. This is the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast, and I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. Now, this podcast is designed for the aspiring apartment investor and literally gives them the opportunity to ask the questions that will help them get to the next level. So if you're an aspiring apartment investor, this podcast is for you. Now, this podcast is brought to you by the Tribe of Titans Multifamily Educational Community. It's your one-stop shop for learning how to succeed at apartment investing. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. Very excited for today's show. We got two amazing guys on the line with us today. You know, our experienced investor for today is Chris Laverick and our aspiring investor, Mario Rapai. As is tradition, first up is the experienced investor. So, Chris, let's uh, get to know you a little better. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. It's been a long time coming. So I think we've been running in the same circles for a while, but just haven't connected for the podcast yet. So happy to have you on the show. Good to be here. Yeah. So do us a favor and tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah. So let's see. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. I got started investing in 2018. I've been in IT space. So I was a W-2 earner for a long time coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, Exited the military about 2010. I was a firefighter in the United States Air Force. Okay. And jumped into IT. So I went to went to school, got my IT degree, computer information systems, and worked in an IT career ever since until about March of this year when I quit my W two job. Mm-hmm. So you'll notice I started investing in 2018, but I quit in in 2022. Mm-hmm. And so I was one of those guys working uh, the W two job while investing in real estate. Yeah, my first investment was uh, two duplexes in Durham, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So that was remote to me. I was in Phoenix. So I did everything remote. Uh, Every deal I did since then has been a partnership. So even that first one, I worked with a private lender and we scaled up. I did a lot of small multifamily, anything from two to four units for a good year. Mm -hmm. And then I went into a 13 unit, a 16 unit, partnered up again, went into 84 units, 120 units, all apartment complex. And from there, we did some vacation rentals too, built a business around it and it's been a ride. So Nice. Nice. So so started in 2018 and it took you four years to leave your W-2. Let's talk about that since it was fairly recently. What was your kind of metric before leaving your W-2? And you know, looking back at it, would you have done it earlier or would you have waited longer? Yeah. So I'd say I'm of the more conservative nature. Um, I make great money in IT. Uh, you know, if you can have a W-2 job and invest on the side, I, I find it's a great combo. You don't need yep. to do one or the other if you can have the time. IT gives you a lot of time and space. So I was contemplating it probably a year before because I had the the ability to quit. Mm-hmm. I just, 
you know, I didn't have the runway, I guess, or the earnings to really ease my risk adverse mind. So I really had to work up to it. And it was only when we, you know, had some good uh, sales in 2021 and and the market was awesome that uh, I was able to to say, hey, I'm going to take a shot in this business. I can always come back to W2, you know. Yeah. You know, so something that I, I've looked at, I, I left my W-2 a year ago, but I've got a pension because I, I went 20 in, in the military. But, you know, it's it's definitely different. You know, it's when you have that W-2 and your real estate investing on the side, you know, when you get the acquisition fees, when you sell properties, you know, that's all gravy. You know, that's all, you know, for, for me, it was money getting reinvested. But, you know, as soon as uh, it was kind of a a different feeling for me after I retired. And, you know, when that, when that money came in, it wasn't like, okay, I can reinvest hundred percent of this. You know, it was more of a, all right, now how much do I have to set aside for living expenses? But anyway, a little bit different for me. And I think everybody experiences that in their own way. Definitely. Yeah. Well, well, cool. Well, congratulations for going full time. I'm sure. It'll work out for you guys. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, doing kind of dual hat IT on, on one side and um, apartment investing on the other side. How did you how did you work that out? How did you make that happen? Right. So, yeah, there's there's some careers where you can have a little more free time, especially if you're very, uh, you know, far four hour work week, like mm-hmm. uh, Tim Ferriss type idea. Uh, IT is one of those. If you can if you're working remotely and you are able to automate things, you're pretty savvy and you can get your work done, you can get your job done. Um, you can do things during your lunch breaks, during, you know, after hours, before hours, even sometimes ending the day early because you know you're working the weekend or something like that for IT. That was fairly common in my industry. Um, so I was able to coordinate, you know, closings of properties or looking at deals in my off time and then leveraging teams in mm-hmm. those states that I was in. That was a big thing for me. And someone, if someone's considering going into investing, if you can really engineer that you're not doing the work, uh, you're going to be able to do this a lot better. So you, you want to leverage your partners, leverage your team. And there's really no way to do that better than investing out of state because yeah. you just can't be there. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and the nice thing about it is there, there's a lot, there's a lot of different roles in multifamily and, you know, most roles can be done remotely. So that that's the really nice thing about it. Um, now let, let's talk about team. You know, I, I know, I know one of your teammates uh, and your, your company name is just a rearrangement of your last name letters, right? That's correct. Yeah. All right. So, and you partnered with, with your brother, you know, how did, how did that come about? I mean, did you guys both have the same ideas on, or, or one person convinced the other so tell me how that, uh, that came about. Right. So uh, 2018, the big, big aha for me was watching, um, you know, they they actually raised interest rates back then too, uh, very slightly. And it caused this dip in the market, which caused a dip in my 401k. So for mm-hmm. me, I I was dumping like 10% of that every, you know, check. And I was just it's like, man, there's got to be something else here because this doesn't seem to be earning a lot and going up that fast. So that's when I decided to, to listen to Bigger Pockets and get more into real estate. My brother, he had had a connection in the military. Um, I think he was deployed at the time. The guy was mentioning he was buying some condos and uh, you know flipping them and renting them out and that kind of thing. And that got the wheels turned for him. And we both just decided, hey, it'll be easier if we go in together. We can pull our capital together and make this happen and buy buy some property. Now we had some Roth IRA money. I mean, it wasn't even, you know, I think I had like $25,000. It wasn't mm-hmm. that much. And that's one of the reasons we picked a market where we could afford to buy in 
Um, and then we partner with a private lender to bring the rest of it. Yep. So we figured out what our, our problem was. We figured out, you know, what our goal was. And then we partnered together because they were very similar and we've been close for all our lives. So it made sense to, uh, you know, we didn't have an idea to do business though. I can, I can tell you that it was really just, <laughs> let's try this out. Yeah. Yeah. So start, started with, started small and then grew from there. Um, so speak, speaking of growing, what were some of the challenges going? I mean, you mentioned your first duplex in, in Durham, and I think the numbers went from like two to two to thirteen to sixteen, and then got big really quickly. Um, what were some of the challenges going from like the duplexes to the the larger apartment complexes? Yeah, um, I mean, a lot of the challenges come around initially. You're trying to fathom how you're going to do a bigger deal, how you're going to raise capital for a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you going to afford a million dollar property when? You know, I think the first duplex I bought was one hundred four thousand dollars. And well, we bought two of them at the same time, but that was a big deal back then. And then all of a sudden, you start scaling. You're like, okay, a million dollar property. Now I actually need a bigger attorney, and I need a bigger property manager. And now I got to vet these people because my previous connections didn't work. And so you're constantly upping your your team and and skill set. And I think part of it is not trying to do it all yourself, definitely leverage out the people who have the experience and don't be afraid to quit those who are not letting you grow, not letting you expand. I mean, I've changed, you know, closing attorneys so many times and and property managers so many times just because it it didn't work out. So I think part of that is like, you know, look at it as a business, looking as you're, you are an investor, yes, but you are a business. You're you're building a business by buying a property. The Mm -hmm. property is a business as income and expenses. So if you want that business to succeed, yeah, yeah. you better partner with those who will give it the best chance to succeed and not try to be the master of every scenario. So that was a big learning curve for me, especially. Uh, I think a lot of engineers, too, they like controlling all the aspects. Yeah. You know, and I'm, and it's important to give up a lot and, and realize what you're good at. Yeah. And something you, you keep on coming back to is is partners and leveraging. And I, I think that is is absolutely vital to this business. Um, it, it's not a one-man show and it never will be. And if you are a one-man show, you're not going to get very far. Um, but you know, definitely be able to leverage other people, uh, other people's time, other people's efforts. And um, you know, it, it's it's definitely going to help you go a lot further. Um, what, what's that saying? If you want to go fast, go away. I'm, I'm going to screw it up. Um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, you know, go with others. You know, and that's that's kind of the the same thing with real estate. You know, if you want to do things quickly, you know, you might want to, you know, it, it's easier to do it by yourself. If you want to go a long, long way, you've got to partner up. You've got to le- leverage other people's time. So, yep. anyway, appreciate all you've said about that. You know, very, very intriguing and very true. So, let's talk a little bit about you know some of the properties you've done. You know, if you can go into a little bit of detail on you know, one of them and, you know, pick your first or your favorite or your most recent. And let's talk a little bit about it. Yeah, I'll go in because this is, uh, you know, people probably W2 investors are thinking of doing some of this themselves. I'll go into our first syndication we ever did. It was actually a 16 unit. Mm-hmm. So up to that that period, every deal we did, like I said, we still partnered, but they were joint ventures, private lenders. The first syndication we did with say, it was about 10 different investors that was a 16-unit apartment complex in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And that deal was fun just because it was our first time working with a securities attorney, working with these bigger players. And we just really felt really 
you know, inexperienced in the whole whole deal. And we did it all ourselves. You know, I, I, I'll admit we made some mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides the property manager, you know, we really took on a lot of the roles. We did the acquisitions. Um, we got the security, the PPM documents together. We raised the capital. Mm-hmm. We turned the units. We made the renovation plan, asset management. I mean, the whole thing we did besides the actual of leasing up the units, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the property manager handed a lot of that. Um but yeah, it was it was a great deal. So we bought it for about 960 if my memory serves me. Mm-hmm. Uh so this was 2000 it was the beginning of 2020. Mm-hmm. And we bought that yeah, 960, 16 units. They were all two bedroom. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a small family could stay there. And if you don't know Fayetteville, North Carolina, it's surrounding Fort Bragg. Yep. So there's a huge industry there. It's a mini mini city and the biggest base in the world actually. So we had demand, we had cash flow. It was a great property. We ended up selling it in end of 2021 for about 1.9 million. So two years later, we roughly doubled the value. And it was a great deal. I think it was like a 52% IRR for our investors. Yeah. I kind of wish I had invested in myself. <laughs> I think right. I underwrote it at like a 16% IRR. And you, you get a 50% it, IRR. Now, I mean, granted, you know, I think when you purchased it in early 2020, you, you had no idea that the Fed would pump trillions of dollars in the economy and exactly. prices would go gangbusters. But something you just said, I've said over and over again on some of our deals that have come full cycle. It's like, man, I wish I would have invested in that one, or I wish I would have invested more in that one because when I'm seeing, you know, 30 plus, you know, percent annualized returns. Some of the properties and as syndicators, you know, especially starting out, you know, I, I think most syndicators have the same issue is, you know, you, you don't have enough cash to invest in everything, you know, especially if you do three or four or five syndications in a single year, you know, it's like, okay, I can, I can put money in this one. I'll have to skip the next one and, and go from there. But yeah, same thing for me. Every time one of these, one of these things sells, I'm like, man, I wish I would have, I wish I would have invested more. Well, cool. So let's shift gears a little bit and talk about your motivation. You know, uh, something I call your big burning why. So why do you do what you do? Yeah, I mean, my response might be a little different, I guess, than most people. It was more, I was bored in IT. I also saw I it didn't match my end goal. You know, I, I would see leaders in the IT industry and in corporate America that were working more hours and unhappy and weren't motivated. And, and then they weren't even spending time with their family anyway. So I actually started investing when my first son was born and it really aligned with this idea that, you know, what am I teaching my kid to do? What am I helping them try to see the world as to just keep working and doing something that doesn't really make you happy, but you have those golden handcuffs and you're, you're really like, you Mm -hmm. know, you're making that money and and you can buy them nice things, but you're never there. Like it wasn't the message I wanted to teach my family and it wasn't how I wanted to live my life. I kind of wanted to really have that heroic life where someone goes, you know, wow, you did a lot of stuff. And that didn't seem to align with the W-2 job. Whereas investing in real estate and the thrill of closing the deals and the thrill of working with other people and and talking about these big apartment complexes and, and all the value they're bringing, not only the people renting it, but yeah. the people who are managing it. And, you know, it's a huge issue in the United States, housing alone. So being able to work on something that actually had let's say more purpose, mm-hmm. not only for me and my family to to show them what they could do, do something they like doing, but also provide provide something meaningful. That's kind of where I came from. I really wanted that that fun life, that giving back that purpose, you know, and, and then that's why I do it. 
Love it. I love it. Thanks for sharing that. Now, last question for you before we bring Mario on, and uh, that's what's next? What's next? Okay, so we have a lot going on. We are working on a 224 unit in Houston, Texas right now. Um, That'll be closing in February. So we are, you know, working to get that one closed. That'll be, we usually do two or two to four apartment complexes still per year as a syndication. Uh, We launched a course. We've done five vacation rentals as well. We syndicated vacation rentals, luxury vacation rentals. So we launched a course, Vacation Rental Masterclass. That's coming out in January. My brother's writing a book, you know, so that's coming out. Yeah, that's where we're at. We're anxious to do a couple more vacation rentals. We have a fund as well, a Mm -hmm. 506C fund. I'd love to fund short-term rental opportunities as well as uh, apartments in the coming year. So Nice. Nice. Well, it sounds like you're going to have a great year coming up. Uh, I I love it. You know, I've I've dabbled in the short-term rental space. I haven't done a whole lot there, but... You know, I think there's goodness in, on both sides of the fence. But good luck with that short-term rental course. Hope it. Uh, hope you guys knock it out of the park. Well, that said, we're going to shift gears. And uh, Mario, how are you doing today? Thank you, Brian, for having me. I'm enjoying the podcast right here. And uh, yeah. I would say that I would connect with a lot of points that uh, Chris uh, talked mm-hmm. today, even though we don't necessarily know each other. I'm, uh, yeah, happy to talk about that a little bit. Uh, but it was interesting that I would find all those connecting points. And I guess everybody that tries to do multifamily or, you know, real estate, usually the end goal is to have that uh, freedom of time and, yeah. um, you know, be able to spend more time with family. You know, it's yeah. it's interesting you mentioned that. I mean, I, I've asked the what's your big burning why question now, you know, probably 500 times or more. And you know, most of the answers are similar. You know, it's uh, people have yeah. different spins on it, but time, freedom, and legacy tend to be the two biggest things. You know, legacy, yeah. whether it's a financial legacy or whether it's a personal legacy, what you leave with your kids or how you spend your time. Those are the two two things that keep on popping back up. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Brian. And I have a non-conventional background. I'm originally from Europe and um, I have studied music, music education and uh, studied piano since I was six years old. I come from um, Albania originated. I studied in Germany mm-hmm. and then my master's in Czech Republic. End up here marrying a Frisco uh, beautiful lady. Nice. Um, however, today I see myself here talking a podcast about investments and real estate. I would say that one of the most interesting thing is that it's been like since I've been 17, I read Kiyosaki's book and Donald mm-hmm. Trump, and I know that those create a lot of noise out there, but um, they were translated in Albanian. And uh, I don't know how. I, I feel like it's something that most the people or entrepreneurs have, have mm-hmm. that feeling of building. Uh, and I remember when I was 17, I, I worked with the business, which my father also had. And then later on, I um, opened a car wash. And uh, in the same time, I was studying my undergrad. Uh, so anyway, to wrap it up a little bit more about where I come from, it, there's a lot of things going on in Albania when I was living there. It was a post-communist country. The culture was uh, different from what we're used to or what it is in America. So everybody waits from government to do things. Uh, and I feel like yeah. maybe that's here too, a little bit. It's like, and I mean, socialism, I guess, but I'm not going to enter on the political part. But what I lived when I was young is that the system was completely corrupt and uh, we had a lot of issues with the banking system. It was a civil war when I was young. Mm. And all those things um, 
you know, when I uh, moved to uh, Germany or Czech Republic and uh, later on in uh, the States, I was, uh, it was like a, like always were in new windows. You had all those opportunities, all those things you could do. And I started here as a, uh, working at an insurance agent. I got uh, my uh, property and casualty license. And then I studied solo music. So I had to shift and uh, continue with what I have studied. So I taught in a very prestigious school, private school in Dallas. And at the same time, I built my private uh, piano lessons, which allowed me, and I want to thank Dante Andrades, which also is like another uh, multifamily investor. Uh, he helped me in the beginning to start that music studio to be able to quit my job in 2020, which was my full-time teaching, as I was, um, you know, being able to support myself and my family with that private studio and all the mm-hmm. being able to make six figures with that. Uh, but the whole goal, like to continue that question that we talked a little bit early, is that for me, I was doing this and I related so much with Chris when he mentioned he got bored. I studied that. And actually, it's a term people can get burned out, but also can, people can get bored out. And that's what happened to me. I was teaching for the last four or five years and uh, and I was doing the same thing. I was not growing. I mean, what could you be doing, you know? And, and it felt to me like, yes, I am helping the new generation, but like I did not received that, that fulfillment mm-hmm. and was not only financial, but it's like the career advice, what you want to do, what you want to help. Like you see your potential that you can do more, you can do better things. And gradually I shifted gears towards real estate, which I started in 2019, the first investment. Of course, I did study earlier that mm-hmm. first investment as a, a LP. And I mean, there are two investments that I've been doing as a passive, passive investors and that's like 375 units about $50 million. But uh, as I said, that was not even fulfilling too because I did it and then you just wait yeah. for that proceeds. Uh, at the same time, I wanted to go and I was exploring every avenue. So I uh, did all the prerequisite and uh, started uh, mm-hmm. MBA at UT Dallas. Mm-hmm. And after two semesters, dropped out. Uh, so that was another thing to myself. I uh, was, uh, it's a great program. They were preparing me for corporate and I did not want that. Mm-hmm. I have a master. I did not want another master just to go on cocktail party and say, I have an MBA. You know, the whole yeah. goal for me was to be able to improve my skills and uh, knowledge so I could uh, continue to uh, reach out to becoming a general partner. Mm-hmm. And that led me to the last uh, step, which I am right now I'm working with Michael Blank program. And I've been uh, doing a lot of underwriting. And that's like my goal, you know, for the next couple of years, but next year, particularly to be able to put uh, some of those uh, as a GP on my portfolio. Awesome. Hey, thanks for sharing. And you're right. It's it's not the uh, standard story. I mean, communist country or post-communist country through several countries in Europe to US. And yeah, I appreciate you for sharing all of that. Now you you did talk a little bit about your why, but if you can if you can like boil that down into you know a couple of sentences, what's your big burning why? I would start with being a musician. It requires a lot of work. I don't know if any of you guys the background on, on if you play the music instrument, but it requires hours and hours of practicing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, the the other thing with music is that <clears throat> it's not just like you can do a play a song mm-hmm. uh, when you study it. You're you are trained to be doing things 100%. You cannot be like, I mean, even sports is like, if you're 87%, if you're 90%, you're good. In music, you have to be 100% if you're not. 
-hmm. it does not work. However, what I notice is that performing musicians, yeah. you work on the time that everybody else is having a weekend mm -hmm. with their family, with their child. And the last thing that everybody knows as a teacher, talking about financial yeah. part, it's not sustainable. I did not necessarily want it, you know, to become the richest man and all the things that we can hear. But, but it's important because I know some people are very naive about that topic, but like we live in a world like that. We have to accept that we, you know, it's important to have a financial freedom to be able to, you know, not live paycheck to paycheck, not stress out about it, but be able also to provide for your family and your kid and your wife, and also be able not just to provide financially, but spend time with that, because what is life in the end of the day? So those are some of the things that went through my mind, and I tried to yeah. touch everything in a little bit, but uh, but basically it's the financial freedom and the time, uh, ability to spend time and to travel and yeah. to be able to go to my uh, daughter's recital and game and participate and spend time with her when she does her own work instead of just being on my computer and taking my work with me. Home. Absolutely. Love it. Well, hey, thanks for sharing that. Well, we come to my favorite part of the podcast, and uh, it's the part where I say, Mario, we got Chris here on the line. What do you want to ask him? I'm interested to know that what would you do to challenge your assumptions and beliefs? Like that's something that Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people struggle, but also it's not necessary part of real estate, but it's more like how you can become a better on that. What is that you do to take away that assuming part? Like you, mm -hmm. you know, people always will like be like, oh, it should be this way because I see that. What, how do you function with that? How do you collaborate with that part? Yeah. yeah, that's good. I mean, like anything, you'll never be an expert from the start. We're huge on partnership and I think I need to write a book on it, but partnership is key to real estate. And especially because you are never going to be a master underwriter, even if you underwrite a hundred deals forever until you buy that first one, you're still not going to be yep. an expert. And so you want to be around people who are doing it, who have done it and have that person, even if you don't pay a mentor 30K, whatever, at least have someone you want to be like and look how they've done it and kind of try to follow in their footsteps. Which attorneys did they use? Which property managers did they use? Contractors? You know, you right. can go miles ahead by using the same systems that someone else has done before you. Um, the big part of getting rid of the assumption part of it is, yes, in the beginning, you're going to make a couple of guesses. You can limit those guesses by surrounding yourself with the partners and the great team. But in the end, you've got to commit. You get clear on that goal, commit, and you take the action. And it's the action that gets you clearer and clearer, and you just keep repeating that cycle. Yeah. And the action is really what's going to remove a lot of those assumptions because you, you're going to be assuming until you take the action. And most people who say they have a goal to buy an apartment or invest in real estate, mm -hmm. they're always assuming good and bad because they actually never take any action. Yeah, right, right, right. Something that uh, that I'll, I'll pitch in is something I learned in the military is when we would do our planning, you know, you, you always make assumptions. Every time you're doing anything that's forward looking, yeah. you're making certain assumptions. But we would keep a list of all the assumptions that we made. You know, as we go through the process, we would try to validate as many of those assumptions as possible, you know, and and at the end of the day, you know, you have your list of assumptions that you've been able to validate and your assumptions that are not validated. And then that's the risk that you're taking. There's a, there's a little bit of risk inherent to some of the assumptions that you make, but being able to at least 
understand what assumptions you've made and what the risks are for not having validated the assumptions, you know, helps you to make decisions going forward because you're never going to know 100% of what's going on. You're never going to see the clear clear picture. So when I was thinking about how to answer your question, that's really what popped to mind is as you're underwriting, especially keep track of the assumption you make, go back, try to validate as many of those assumptions as possible. And you know, don't be afraid to make a decision with 80% of the the information in front of you and, right. you know, just understand what the risks are. Perfect. That's awesome. It, uh, it does help a lot. And another thing I was thinking is uh, just about the inspiration. Uh, what, what do you do uh, and how do you find inspiration? We find the, uh, the traction system for building the business is pretty good. The book traction, mm-hmm. but inspiration comes to really, it's having that strong why, yes, but if you never look at your why throughout the year, then it won't be as important to you. And it's the same with goals. If you never look at your goals throughout the year or throughout the quarter, they kind of evaporate. And mm-hmm. a lot of people do this yeah. in the new year. They set a hundreds of goals. And then I just wrote a, blog, a, link, a LinkedIn post, but like two thirds of the people will abandon those goals that they wrote in January within a month. Yeah. Um, and you know those could be health goals, business goals, whatever. So coming up with a system to inspire you and everybody's going to be different. You know, I, I like to do the miracle morning. Uh, I meditate in the morning. I journal. I look at my goals. That gives me motivation because there's many days like, you know, when I'm doing a refinance on a loan and they're telling me the interest rate's 8%, I'm not really motivated to keep doing that. But how do I get that motivation? I look at that goal. What's my quarter goal that I, that, you know, here's my year end. What's my quarter? Okay. This is on my goal and this is why I'm doing it. Here's my vision of my family of the things I want to achieve. And if I read that in the morning, that inspires me. That gives me the motivation to get up and go, you know, maybe I'm going and talking with 10 investors that day and maybe five of them are brand new and I know it might not ever go anywhere. My inspiration, my motivation comes from looking at my goals, from looking at my achievements, what I want to do. So that's how I do it. A couple of things you mentioned, you know, resonated with me. I'm I'm redoing my affirmations and for for my miracle morning. And it's something I've been working on. It's it hasn't been an easy thing, but something I've been working on all week is is those affirmations every day. And you know, making sure those affirmations, you know, match up with with the goals that I've set. But uh and the other thing is is I'm I'm rereading the the book Traction right now too, you know, so trying to get that uh, EOS thing set up uh um, you know, I, I have one employee right now, but you know, we're going to grow in, in 23. That's, that's one of my big goals, but, uh, anyway, okay. thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. What would you do differently if you would start today, but knowing what you know, and also knowing where we are at the economic cycle? That's a great question. First and foremost, get started. <laughs> so I, yeah. you know, don't let fear hold you, but if I was going to change what I would do, I would get better at envisioning that goal for you know my revenue for the business or my my cash flow for the business and are you building a business you know that's something that's some worth discussing um if you're going to be in the syndication space you have to build a brand and you have to build a business and so understanding right. what it takes to build a business and maybe getting a coach who yeah. knows how to build a business is worthwhile a lot of what I did in the beginning was read a lot of books and a lot of podcasts, and we yeah. did a lot of trial and error. And that's good to a degree, but you really can accelerate whatever that goal that you have for your investing career by following a mentor or following a coach. And it's simply a lot of the, especially when you're doing syndication, a lot of the cash flow and revenue won't be there for years. Mm-hmm. So if I was going to do it again, 
make sure you have something that adds cash flow and income to your business while you're doing the syndication. So I'm buying some of the meshes and we like, we do short-term rentals on the side for that reason, because right. it adds cash flow while we wait for these big multifamily deals to cycle in and out. You know, mm. once you get on a roll, yes, if you do two syndications a year or you're buying two apartments a year and they start selling, you know, you can get on that rhythm where you're selling every year. But yep. in the beginning, you know, you got to look at it like, how am I going to grow this business? I do need revenue. It's the blood of a business. That's what I would address. That's what I would look at if I was trying to build it again. Yeah. I think those are good points. You know, what 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 I'll add is just realize that I think there's been a lot of hype in the last, you know, couple of years, you know, with with how the market is appreciated. And, you know, a lot of people have kind of fallen out of the fundamentals. And, you know, there, there's a quote by by Warren Buffett that a lot of people have been, you know, sharing recently. You know, when the tide goes out, you find out who's been swimming naked. You know, and so so when you start looking at, you know, what are the fundamentals of, of real estate investing, you know, time is, is one thing that is always on your side, you know. And, and the second thing that I think a lot of people have made mistakes with is looking at protecting your downside. You know, that's what a lot of people, people who are in trouble right now are in trouble because they got some bridge loans with, you know, floating rates. Right. They yeah. did not look to protect their downside. You know, they did not buy the rate cap insurance because, you know, they, they get a, a three, three and a half, four percent bridge loan. And who cares if it's a floating rate? And now that rates are at eight percent, they can't make ends meet. So I, I would say, fortunately, you know, we didn't we, we didn't take any loans like that. Every loan that we had is fixed rate. But I would say you know, now, especially, you know, stick to the fundamentals, you know, make sure you have the, make sure you can hold for longer. Um, make sure you have time on your side and um, always have a little bit of flexibility on the back end. And I definitely agree with everything Chris said, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of with syndication. There's not a lot of cash flow in the middle. There's, there's, you know, revenue at, at uh, when you, when you purchase assets from acquisitions fees and there's yeah. revenue when you sell, but there's not a lot in between for syndicators. So, you know, come up with a model that can give you a little bit of both, you know, figure out how to how to get that cash flow going on or stack things up to where you have a couple of sales every year, you know, a couple, but it takes time. So anyway, speaking of time, we are pretty much out of time. So one last question for each of you. And Chris, you get to go first. How can listeners learn more about you? Sure. Yeah, you can visit our website, ValkyrieGroup.com. We have an open deal, like I said, a 224 unit in Houston, Texas. It's all on the website. Or you can check out our upcoming vacation rental masterclass. That's on the website as well. And if you want to connect with me in person, I'm on LinkedIn. Look up Chris Leveric, Christopher Leveric. I post a lot on there. So come come connect and, and you know, we'll go from awesome. there. All right. Thanks, Chris. And Mario, same question for you. How can listeners learn more about you? Yes, I uh, through the website. Uh, it's Texas Real uh, Real Estate Investing uh, Group LLC, or uh, directed to uh, LinkedIn or Facebook. Also, Texalb Real Estate Investing Group, which Texas and Alb Albania. Okay. Um, and uh, LinkedIn through my first name and last name, Mario Rapai. All right. Thank you. And we'll have links to all of that in the show notes. So. The last thing I'll say, thanks to both of you for, for coming on the show today. Very much appreciate it. A lot of, lot of little precious gems we talked about today. So thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast by the Tribe of Titans. 
If you're still listening, you obviously liked it. So go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already. And then make sure to check out our YouTube channel, which incidentally has a ton of video content that you'll also enjoy and learn from. Now, if you're interested in being on the show, go to our website, diaryofanapartmentinvestor.com and fill out the questionnaire on the website. And for more educational content and for more information about our educational community, check us out at thetribeoftitans.info.